everybody. This is Breaking Pita with Z. That's me, your host, Zahra Huber. And this podcast is brought to you by Elamir Restaurant in Dearborn and Dearborn Heights. Make sure to check them both out. They're amazing. Donna. How's it going? Hello. Hi. Have you been to Elamir? I have. It's amazing. And this is Donna Afana, and she is a local reporter for MLive. It's a newspaper in Ann Arbor. And so uh, tell me, what do you cover, Donna? So I cover a wide variety of issues. Um, I cover business, transportation, and immigration. And uh, previously I worked in Detroit. Now I'm in Ann Arbor. So I've been picking up a lot of different areas of coverage. And it's very it's a very different scene in Ann Arbor compared to Detroit. Oh, I'm sure it is. But you still are covering some serious topics, though. Absolutely. I, uh, I've been on top of the immigration scene out there. I recently had a case where a man is trying to uh, get his citizenship approved so that he could work and continue to work and live here and avoid deportation. And stories like that are really sad. But at the end of the day, you know, they need minority reporters, in my opinion, to cover Exactly. Those. And that is, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly what we're talking about today. Being an Arab American female reporter, um, you're Palestinian American. Mm-hmm. So journalism was not on my father's radar when I wanted to study something in school. Uh, he was very much against it, actually. And it's funny because if you think about it, this is a great representation of our community. So why not do it? Right. right. So I don't know about you, but I'll tell my story a little bit. And then we can talk about you. But I was basically forbidden (laughs) to study journalism in college. I was forbidden. My father wanted me to be a teacher because a teacher is safe. It's consistent. I'm surrounded by children and not crazy people or like I'm not in some war zone. You know, I mean, I don't know what was in his head, but Mm -hmm. I definitely was not allowed to be a journalist. But I wanted to when I was in 11th grade. I submitted something to a local newspaper in New York. Uh, It was New York Newsday, which is kind of like the free press in Detroit. And uh, I actually got accepted. And the title of it was Muslim Teens Have Fun Too. And it was so amazing to see my writing. And I'm like, wait a minute, I can make a difference. So I told my dad, I want to study journalism. He's like, no, you need to be a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Journalism is not a woman's field. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) And I'm like, but that's what I really want. And this is the culture, by the way, because I want to stress that this is not the religion whatsoever, because that's not how the religion works. Because like even in our history, some very prominent Muslim women uh, were business owners. But unfortunately, the culture sometimes has a different way of life for women, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for the first year I did study to become a teacher and then I hated it so much so that I went ahead and studied journalism. And my father did not know (laughs) that his tuition money (laughs) was going for forbidden forbidden major. So yeah, so that's my story. He was very upset when I graduated and he still forced me to be a teacher for a year (laughs) at a private school. And he's like, you're going to go back to school and, you know, get your teaching certificate and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I don't really want to. But I did become a teacher for a year, which sucked (laughs) so bad. So kudos to all the teachers out there, because I don't know how you do it day in and day out. He finally slowly came to terms with it. But before we talk more about the reactions post me becoming a journalist, I want to hear your story. I know you were also 
it was frowned upon for you to become a journalist. Absolutely. I was not as brave as you to hide <laughs> that behind my parents' back. So it's funny, uh, when I was applying for college or putting in my application, going through the formal process, my mom called me right before I submitted everything and was like, okay, what are you declaring as your major? I'm like, <laughs> journalism. Uh-oh. She's like, what? <laughs> and uh, she's like, why don't you, you know, choose psychology or teaching or pharmacy? You'd be really good at that. You know, just trying to like <sighs> boost my ego a little yeah. bit to make me feel good. And I'm like, mom, like it just, it depends on what you love. And I love journalism and I don't love those other fields. So I know I'm not going to be good at them. And she's like, but I love, <laughs> like, which, I don't know. I don't know how to translate that. She's basically saying it's bogus. Uh, <laughs> and she hung up the phone. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> um, and my dad was like, I don't know, like, it's risky. What if you go out into a field and, you know, you Something put yourself in danger? Happens. I'm like, well, I'm going to be a local news reporter to start at least. Yeah, so I don't, I'm not going to be like in that CNN much danger. It's not like you're reporting all the way in, like, like in Afghanistan, the exactly. you know, like, reporting on the Taliban. Exactly. Like, you don't get that fresh out of college. Um, the worst uh, is we'll be in Detroit <laughs> following like a homicide or something, some right. kind of the scene of a shooting. Okay, I think we're more likely to get put in danger in Detroit than we are exactly. elsewhere. Yeah, um, I love Detroit. Uh, but Shout out. so yeah, I mean, it took a while for them to get used to it. Um, along the way, they were still encouraging me to do or pursue other majors, and then finally, when I graduated, I started to get some gigs. And then there was a bit of a holding pattern where I didn't get a job. And at that point, they were like, why don't you go into teaching? You see? (laughs) This is what. Donna, this is why. (laughs) We told you to become a doctor. (laughs) I'd be like, listen, I'm going to fail at those other careers. I don't have the patience to be a teacher. I'm not a science person. No. So my dad tried to encourage me to go into like criminal justice because I worked at a police department and I'm not going to lie. It was exciting. Investigations and all that. But not something that you wanted to do. At the end of the day, it wasn't. And, you know, I did look into it. I asked one of my friends who uh, is a good friend of my brother, actually went to law school. Probably the tallest Arab anyone will ever meet. His name is Yeah, because Arabs are not tall. <laughs> yeah. Um, he sent me this grand message about what it's like to get into law school and what the process was like. And I was like, okay, thanks. I just wasted your time because yeah. this is not this for is me. Not, yeah, no. So I got into it. And then my parents were proud of me. They saw how successful I was. Yeah. They were telling their friends how proud they were of me. But when they found out how much I was making, they're like... <laughs> why don't you apply for a job at like GM or yeah, something? Yeah, so it's like yeah. never good enough. I know, it's never good enough. Right. It's funny that parents are so worried about what you're going to make. Exactly. Because it's like, mom, this is my money. <laughs> like, it's my salary. I'm okay with this. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, my dad, he ended up not telling me ever that he was proud of what I was doing, but he told all his friends that he was proud. Look, yeah. look at my daughter. She's a journalist. Exactly. She's a reporter. Yeah. She's, you know, she's out in the field and it's like, okay, you like told me not, you forbade me from doing this. And exactly. then like I'm hearing, and I didn't even hear it from him. I heard it from like his friend's wives. Oh, your father Same. is so proud of you. I'm like, what? Since when? <laughs> There's a shocker. <laughs> but it's funny because, and I want to talk about this too. Becoming a journalist, you see things from our perspective, especially not just being Arab American, being Muslim, being a woman. We've got three minorities there. Yeah. And so we see things from a different perspective. Like, for instance, I don't know about you, but I was the first Arab American and the first Muslim in my building when I worked for as a news reporter. Really? Yeah. For a radio station, for a major radio station that is like 100 years old. Mm -hmm. And um, 
I and everybody had this expectation of me that I was like this quiet person and like I didn't you know I wasn't going to be loud and and I wasn't going to be like forthcoming with things and whatever and I shocked them and I not just so my job then became not just teaching them about so I went in to teach the world basically about who we are and that we're normal people and we have personalities we're not like dull like making babies at home all the time you know right it's not who we are well I mean I guess some people but you know that's not who all of us are and that's not the expectation Mm -hmm. and um but I ended up teaching the newsroom as well about who I was and that like yeah like I have a personality I swear sometimes, you know, like I make jokes that are inappropriate. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's normal. This is who we are and this is who most of us are. Mm -hmm. So did you feel like you had a similar experience like coming into the newsroom? Yeah. So I definitely felt singled out during my internship days. Really? Singled out how? Like people just quite didn't understand my background. Um, They didn't understand why I fast every year and I would explain it to them, but they still didn't care. Did you feel like you had to continue to explain it to them every year? Absolutely. Yeah, same here. And I think there are times where I love talking about my culture and about my religion. Um, Thankfully, at my company now, everyone is so interested. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. And they're so accommodating whenever... You know, I am fasting or just talking about yeah, any sort of cultural Yeah, but it takes a while. It, it does. takes such a long time it does. for me. It took like maybe four or five years before people finally realized. And they were like, oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't be eating in front of you while right. I was fasting during Ramadan. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, it's fine. Like, it doesn't bother me. They're like, no, I feel really bad. Or it's funny because like a certain time of the month for women, you can't mm-hmm. fast. Yep. And I remember I was called out every oh single time. Gosh. Like, shouldn't you be fasting? Mm-hmm. I'm like. I'm on medication. <laughs> you never know how to answer it. And the thing is, like, my mom would tell me, who cares? Like, they are, they're, they're all aware of that. Like, it's fine. Everyone's yeah. so blunt and straightforward. But I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's just weird. Yeah. Like, listen, guys, I'm on my period. I cannot <laughs> fast right now. Is that really what you want to know? Because that feels like TMI. <laughs> they ended up being so accommodating there. Because even, like, um, when I prayed, mm-hmm. they gave me a promotions closet. Oh, yeah. I got like a little closet of my own with access to the keys that like no one except for promotions was able to do and a breastfeeding mother. So that was great. Great. We took turns. I'm like, hey, you about to breastfeed? Okay, I'm about to pray. (laughs) Uh, So we did share that. But uh, but you know what they never got was that I could not eat pepperoni on my pizza. Oh, dude. Yeah. Every election. Yeah. They ordered pepperoni pizza. I'm like, can a sister get some vegetables or like cheese pizza up in here yeah so like at my company now my boss is syrian he's christian but he gets it like yeah so that's what made it really easy for me but like when i was interning at like a tv station they had hot dogs and they were like pork yeah pork pork based hot hot dogs dogs. and And for those who don't know muslims can't have pork at all any pork based anything ham bacon nothing we can't have it and pepperoni's pork Mm. and they're like can't you just pick it off? No. <laughs> you no. cannot pick it off. We can't just pick it off. And that's what they said every election. I think it wasn't until like, so I was there like 11 years. It wasn't until like the 10th year where they finally were like, hey, we ordered you vegetarian pizza. It took you 10 years to get to this point. Right. 10 years. Like, there are vegetarians in the office too. So like, I think people need to think about that. Yeah. And then maybe think about dietary restrictions exactly. or religious values. Yeah. So. So yeah, it was really frustrating, but I'm, for the most part, they were accommodating and they especially loved after Ramadan on Eid, which is like our holiday that we celebrate, mm-hmm. um, kind of like a Christmas for Christians. I would bring baklava. Same. 
and they were like, I can't wait for Eid because you bring your delicious baklava. <laughs> and they go through it. They wipe it out oh, like, so, quickly. so quickly. Yes. It lasts like a week 30 or two seconds. in my household, <laughs> in the office. Not even. I don't even know if it lasts a day. No, it <laughs> won't. Oh, it definitely won't last a day. And I buy like the giant ones yeah. too. I want to talk a little bit more about perspective. So I went online and I read some articles about more Muslim female Arab American women. And this is from The Atlantic. It says... Growing chorus of Arab women is offering an alternative to the typically male, often autocratic voice that dominates with their own societies and in Western portrayals of the region. Through a variety of media, from journalism to television to literature, they are undermining the long-held narrative of Arab women as docile and submissive. So they're basically what the women are doing it. They're trying to undermine that narrative that Arab women are docile and submissive and we're not. No, I don't think we are. No, we're not. And that's what this is. This article is saying is mm-hmm. that they are trying to actually portray the opposite, mm-hmm. that we're not submissive and that we're not docile, that we're go-getters. Mm-hmm. I keep saying that there are so many badass Arab American women. There are. So many. I mean, I have you right now here on my show. You're a badass. I think you're the bigger badass <laughs> for starting this show. Uh, but that's the thing is, like, I feel like we kind of have to push that narrative so much because people don't see it. And even like within our own community, within the Arab community, it takes a lot just for Arab men to see that. Yes. And it's really sad because I just feel like we're basically forced to prove people otherwise. It's almost like whenever there is a terrorist attack, we don't have to, but we're expected to say, we don't support that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why? Why do we have to say that? We obviously don't support it. I don't see like some guy named John Smith say we don't support it when there's a mass shooting. Right. So it's just, it's frustrating. So how do you feel? How do you feel about it that we, you have to kind of prove yourself to people that you are not submissive and that you can be a go-getter? So how do you feel about that personally? It's tough and it's kind of, it's like unfair. Um, It's kind of like we have to prove ourselves even more on top of non-Arab women. Like women in general are trying to prove themselves that they are more than capable of doing the same job as a man. Yep even better maybe and it's kind of unfortunate that minority women in general sort of have another level that they have to climb up exactly it's just like another obstacle for us because we've always been seen as different and the question is how do we change that I mean we just have to show like what we're capable of. So you and I don't wear hijab. We Mm -hmm. don't wear the headscarf. So we're not very obviously Muslim. People usually just assume we're foreign. You know, mm-hmm. not, they don't, we're not obviously Arab American. We're not obviously Muslim. So we almost have to like talk about it too. Like, yeah, hey, I'm Muslim. Hey, I'm Arab American. Mm-hmm. Um, to put it in their face mm-hmm. because they'll just assume like, because you, you can pass for Hispanic, right? Right. And I'm just uh, Greek. I don't know, Italian. I've got mm-hmm. a bunch of different things. But no, I'm Arab American and I'm a Muslim and I want to be proud of it. And I want everybody to see that. Right. And so um, I think it's just a tough situation for Arab American mm-hmm. Muslim women. And I think that families need to be more open to them becoming journalists. I remember, so I always wanted to be a role model too for young girls. I remember I was at an event and I talked to a bunch of young women about becoming a journalist and overcoming it and, you know, what I ended up doing and I studied Mm -hmm. it despite like my family's problem with me studying it. And I had so many, I had probably like five or six young girls, like maybe in their like mid to late teens come up to me and say, thank you so much. I want to be a journalist, but my family is so against it. Mm -hmm. 
And I think, you know, maybe you and I should start like a talking tour. I think we should because I've had a lot of younger girls come up to me too. And it was actually on Eid uh, one day that I met someone, one of their moms. And she looks at me, she's like, you're Donna Afana. I'm like, yeah, do I know you? She's <laughs> like, no, my daughter talks about you all the time. Oh my God. Like, she's like, I want to go into journalism because Donna's in it. And she's like so successful and it's very exciting. And I'm like, oh my God. And like, yeah, it's stories like that that really keep me going and like want me to motivate other women, other Arab women to get into Absolutely. this field. And it's, it's kind of sad when they decide not to, you know, it is a hard field. It's, you're it on is the grind. Difficult. You're on the grind. You're not getting paid well for that grind. Right. And so I, I try to encourage them, like, listen, who better to tell the story of your community than you? Yes, because, like, for instance, I remember being in the newsroom and, you know, there were terms being used that I disagreed with. Mm-hmm. Um, like an Islamist. I'm like, what oh, is gosh. that? I don't even know what that is. And I would actually have control of the script and I would take that off. I would mm-hmm. take out that word Islamist. Good. Um, and, like, I explained to people what Al-Qaeda was. I, You know, I, it was just, it's so frustrating because this is like it was we were connected with the national news yeah. form. And uh, it was just frustrating because the national news part of that was reporting that. So I had no control over it. But when I got to our local news part of it, I was able to change the script around. I was able to explain to the, even the producer, like if I couldn't change the script, hey, I would excuse me, I was I would prefer you not to use that kind of language yeah. because that is like. It makes us all look bad. It makes us Muslims and Arab Americans look bad. And do you feel like you do that too, that you kind of like change the story, you change the script? Like if there is a terrorist attack, for instance, you know, like I change the script. There are so many Arab Americans, you know, in the U.S. And just there's a small percentage of us who may be terrorists, but they're not really Muslim. They're not, you know, they're not really part of our religion. And I try and explain that. And I use my platform to do such things. I'm mm-hmm. using this podcast platform to kind of break those stereotypes and also kind of talk about that, mm-hmm. that that language can be wrong sometimes. And so I tried that. I tried to do my best. And, and that's why I wanted to be a journalist, to do something like that. Exactly. That, I mean, same here. It was something I knew I wanted to do since I was a kid. I would always fall back on it because, you know, I am Palestinian. So much of my family is in Palestine. And when I would visit them, I'd be part of the war zone. And at that point I'm like, why doesn't anyone in the U S know what's going on here? So I was like, okay, like it's my duty to, you know, show the reality of that region and just in general and like in my community. Um, and so, you know, there have been instances where people would write about some sort of Muslim issue or Ramadan and, I would have to sort of jump in and be like, hey, like you kind of misrepresented this. Yes. Like this is actually what the story is here. This is the meaning behind this. And, you know, they were, they've were they been pretty good about it, I would yeah, say. I would think so too. Yeah, they're pretty good about it. But like that's why it's important. But it's still frustrating. Like, it's so frustrating. Because the language can be just so wrong. Yeah. I mean, the media has such a hold on people. Mm-hmm. How do people get their information? Through the media, whether it's TV, whether it's social media, mm-hmm. whether it's radio, whether it's newspaper, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. People, That's how people get their information. When the information mm-hmm. is wrong, people, you know, are incorrect about some of the ideas about our people. I agree. And it sucks when people say I get my news from Facebook. Oh, and God. Twi- like Twitter, maybe like. Yeah, people Twitter might be a little stories. more legit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then, I mean, like, it just, it's People don't do research. They but don't. yeah, like even like the civil war in Syria. I mean, how much do you see of that? 
Not much. Not much at all. No, they're more like... Like, I don't remember the last time I heard about it on TV or even really read about it. Yeah, I feel like people here listening to this podcast right now don't even know that there was a civil war. And so, you know, it's things like that where it's our job. Unfortunately, it's our job because we become like the Arab beat. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's funny because anytime there was anything Arab related, I became... The, the reporter to like deal with that. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of, it is nice that, you know, our companies, they, go to you. Like, they see us as yeah. a resource. And I yeah. think that's kind of what we're here for. That is. Um, as far as like, you know, just being a minority in journalism in general, like it shouldn't ever be the case where managers make the minorities take all the minority yes. stories. Cause non-Arabs, non-Hispanics, like non-black people, they all have to learn how to cover those communities. Exactly. 100%. Yeah, like Dearborn. I mean, mm-hmm. anytime there was something happening in Dearborn, hey, Zara, you want to go cover that in Dearborn? It's like, yeah, sure, I'll cover it, but why can't, like, Melissa go cover it? Why can't Melissa go to the mosque and understand what happens in a mosque? Because I feel like that's how you open their eyes and you really get an understanding of who we are. I agree. I've had to go to churches a lot for assignments. Yes. I've learned a lot about Christianity and about Judaism. And everything. Yeah, I've gone everywhere. And so, like, why shouldn't someone else do the same for us? Yeah. So, basically, if the women are listening, go do what you want to do. Exactly. We will (laughs) become a journalist. But, Donna, thank you so much for being here with me today and sharing your story. I really appreciate it. I know that this was a very personal story for me, too, because nobody really knows my struggle of, like, trying to become a journalist. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, people just think I just kind of fell into it, but I didn't. You know, I really fought my way to become a journalist and I feel like you mm-hmm. too like you were fighting a lot of family thoughts and family values mm-hmm. who are against it you're not making enough money mm-hmm. it's not a woman's place but again I do want to stress that that is culture that mm-hmm. has nothing to do because like my brother for instance he wanted to become a teacher and my dad's like no oh gosh be a doctor god forbid no be a doctor <laughs> be a journalist it doesn't matter don't be a teacher <laughs> He had a very heavy accent. They all do. um, Yeah. But thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Breaking Pita with Z, which is sponsored by El Amir. So make sure you go check out both restaurants, Dearborn and Dearborn Heights.